0: I'm Miles Ehrlich taking over another episode of The Windsider Show where it's all about the W. Today we're going to talk about the 2022 New York Liberty with special guest Krina Mustafa, one of my absolute favorites in the WNBA media space. like our show please consider joining our patreon community at patreon.com slash winsider for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w and don't forget to see our amazing staff's written content over on wmba oops sorry over on winsider.com the WNBA season might be over but sports are still going on so for all your ticketing needs go to tickpick.com slash winsider all right that's all out of the way I wanna welcome you, Karina. Uh, first of all, Karina Mustafa, you probably know her from Twitter, host and producer at The Parlay and host of Court Time with Krina Mustafa on Fridays. You can find her on Twitter at KarinaMM. Karina MM. Krina, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me today.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited to talk some libs and I love that you said you probably know her from Twitter because that is absolutely
0: true. <laughs> we both spend far too much time on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I'm super excited to talk to another positive liberty fan because a lot of people that i know that are covering this team even a lot of times they're uh not as happy about how the, yeah. the team yeah <laughs> but i think that we are both optimistic reporters and maybe to a detriment sometimes but we can <laughs> we can find the uh the good stuff in the blowouts so i'm i'm excited for us both to inject some positivity after i think what was a very very positive season and another step in the right direction absolutely Um, just season impressions from the beginning because they won opening night but then lost their next seven so it was a slow slow start but they finished the season they really leveled out finished with a 16 and 20 record they got to the postseason as a seven seed pushed the defending champs to three games uh, even stole a game on the road got the first ever game at Barclays Center what were your impressions just overall of the team's performance this season
1: yeah so when they won their first game of the regular season against the Sun I got very very cocky very very quickly and then they went one and seven and I was like oh god like this looks terrible but as you said they did level out and I was super I think you know, impressed with the way their season has gone. I think because in the NBA, I'm a Raptors fan. I'm kind of used to this kind of stuff where a team is still developing. They're putting their pieces together. And you saw that with the Liberty this year. Um, Like we're going to talk about, like finally seeing a a healthy year of Sabrina Ionescu, I think was absolutely fantastic. You you can see the potential of this team. And it just feels like they're so close, you know, like they're just a couple of pieces away. Uh, Still waiting for some players to come back fully healthy. Of course, like we didn't have Benaja for literally in the entire season. Um, And so, yeah, I'm just really excited. I think this season show that the Liberty are in the right direction and they're moving forward and not backwards.
0: I think that on that opening night win, which feels like years ago at this point, um, there was nobody in the building, maybe more surprised than I was at that performance uh, because the Liberty had been dealing with so many injuries during training camp with, with late arrivals and uh, the week before that, they were supposed to have a, a preseason game against the Washington Mystics that they canceled at the last minute. And it was because of a rash of illnesses on the team, and just some people were not fully healthy. And uh, during that, so they turned that into a scrimmage because they had promised the season ticket holders something. And uh, at that scrimmage, the lineup, if I remember correctly, it was Natasha Howard, Han Shu, Lorella Kubai. It was Sabrina Unescu, and who was the fifth? I don't even remember who the fifth was. Maybe it was Benaja, But either way, it was like, and then they just ran those five against five practice players for, for a simulated game. And afterwards, I asked Sandy Brondello about that. And I was like, are you trying this super big lineup against, against <laughs> Connecticut? And she said, no, absolutely not. I only had five players. Um, I only had five people that could dress, and we had this this <laughs> practice on the schedule. So when they came out opening night against a team that was twenty six and six in twenty twenty one, I did not think the Liberty had any chance, um, and they surprised me. And then very quickly came back down to earth. <laughs> um, but all season long, like you said, it was it was just a a season of attrition, right? They were just constantly losing players they were constantly just working players back into rotations um so 16 and 20 is very impressive after that very very slow start uh and yeah let's let's move on to sabrina like you alluded to she she made the the proverbial leap that in that year three where we see a lot of players um but it was a, a different year three for her because she almost didn't have a rookie season and it wasn't even a rookie season that she was able to stick around and observe uh, to To learn from her teammates to get a feel because that was the bubble season. So after her injury, yeah. she left and didn't even build that. Those relationships didn't even uh, develop some of that rapport. Um, but this year, 17.4 points a game, 7.1 rebounds, 6.3 assists. Her first all-star nod. She was second team, all WNBA. The accolades were just kind of pouring in and she just, Really? Yeah. She, she took that extra step. She showed that she could be a franchise player. And that was the, that was a question. Uh, number one picks, especially guards in this league over the last few years, have taken a few years to develop. We just saw Kelsey Plum and Jackie Young really have strong seasons for the Aces, but it took them a few years to get to that point. Uh, what do you think contributed to, to Sab's performance this season?
1: Yeah, I think especially as soon as libs acquired Crystal Dangerfield, I think that just opened up a whole new world for Sab um being able to kind of go off the ball a little bit because you can kind of you you've heard it from her a lot how she was kind of struggling with that pressure when she was bringing the ball up the floor a lot and when she was at the one spot. And so I think having that kind of freedom and being able to work off of Crystal while still while still playmaking cuz like don't get me wrong, like Sab is still an amazing playmaker. And, and so I think that pressure was kind of lifted off her shoulders a bit and she could kind of just be herself. I found that even last year, she would kind of rush her shots a little bit and that would kind of mess her up. And I think this year she just took the time to kind of get herself set. Uh, I think her jump shot really improved throughout the year. I I was really... um, focused on watching her, uh, develop that. And I think that's all of that contributed to her making that leap. And I'm just really happy because this is the sad that we, you know, we all knew that she could be like this, like, especially if you're watching her in college and it makes me happy as a Romanian It makes me happy as a Lips fan. Uh, and yeah, I was just really, really impressed with her season overall. And I'm so excited that she's with the Lips and I'm so excited to see where it goes from here.
0: You, you named one of the two players. I, I, personally think really contributed to her success this season one being crystal dangerfield because like you said that allowed her to move off the ball and Mm -hmm. once she was off the ball the other player that that really comes to mind is Steph Dolson because I don't know if there's a better off-ball screener in the WNBA Um, and a lot of times if you're just seeing the ball sit on one side of the floor and not watching all of the mess that (laughs) that's going on uh, to free Sabrina up you're missing some really good actions um, and a lot of a lot of off ball screens a lot of just movements some staggers there's just so much going on and oftentimes it's it's uh, Steph in the middle of that and then Sabrina coming out of the wash with a lot of room and the fact that she can shoot from 28 feet is, is <laughs> that also helps. helpful? That yeah, helps she, a lot. <laughs> she doesn't she doesn't have the the quickest first step but I always say that like the way that you can get yourself a first step as you make the defense come out to you 5 feet further out because that's that the screeners are, the doubles aren't coming out there then you've got a little bit more leeway to get your uh, yourself into first gear. So, yeah, uh just a really great season from her. We also saw the emergence of a couple of players that were part of the 2019 draft class that we hadn't seen in a couple of years. Han Shu first, who really hit the ground running from outside of the rotation at the beginning of the year because she just didn't have in the coaching staff's eyes the 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 speed and the physical strength to really hang with some of the larger teams but han went on to average eight and a half points a game off the bench and also marine johannes who i think we're going to talk a lot about over the next (laughs) few minutes oh yeah Uh, marine hit 10 points a game uh 43.7 from deep and tons of gorgeous assists uh these two players just what were your expectations from where they were in 2019 to them coming this season to New York?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was super excited to hear that they were coming back, um especially for Han, like I just thought like I think New York definitely needed the size, I think they need and we'll talk about this later too when we talk about what they kind of need to be a contender, but I'm in the mindset that you need a big who can also, uh, shoot the ball. And you, and I, and I made this pun. I'm very, very proud of this pun, Miles. I know, you know, which one I'm going to say it was Han shooter because she's a shooter. Um, and that's really, yeah, like that's how I described her. And I, and I really, I really like that Sandy kind of had her trust in her and kind of knew when to pull her out and kind of showing that she's still kind of learning and she's going how she goes. and with Maureen, Maureen was just so fun to watch this season. I mean, she was making plays that you just you just kind of like, this is basketball is an art. Like it's an art to watch her play like that. And uh, I was super happy with both of them. And I think they play such exciting basketball, especially Maureen. And yeah, I mean, like what more could you have asked from them, right?
0: Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And um, Jackie Powell would often bring this up about a quote that she heard on a broadcast from Andrea Carter describing the way Marine played basketball. And it's and she said, it seems like she's playing underwater. And that's just a quote that I love. And there's just such a fluidity to her game. And um, I would always say that she, to me, reminds me of one of these mobile quarterbacks in the NFL, where she was not at her best when she was just standing in one place, dribbling the air out of the ball, letting actions develop, she had to be on the run and freelancing. And then once she was, that's what opened up everything else. So it just really, she is, like you said, just a joy to watch. Um, And I think that's something that impressed me personally about Han this season is just seeing the growth in season, just seeing her get comfortable. Coming into the year, she only knew a few players that were on the – that were still holdovers from that 2019 team and Rebecca Allen wasn't there yet. So that was one of them. And the other one was AD and Mm -hmm. AD had also missed the last two seasons, but their, their friendship was really, really great, but it helped Han become comfortable. And the other player that she knew before the season was Natasha Howard, who she'd played with for a season in China and having somebody in her position group to, to help her along and help her settle in, I think was also really helpful for her. Um, So we saw this was something that Sandy had said throughout the year was that at the beginning of the season, they were not comfortable putting Han into any kind of switch actions. She just had to fight through all the screens, had to do everything to make sure that her player stayed in front of her. And going back and watching some of that film, you would see a lot of players were left open because they just didn't trust Han to recover, didn't trust her to be in the right place to communicate those switches. But about six weeks into the season, she started doing that more. And then by the end of the year, she was doing that really instinctually and covering a lot of ground. Her rebounding definitely looked a lot stronger than it did back in 2019, where she had the height, not quite as much height because she did grow an inch in the in the three years where she wasn't here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she just didn't have the 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 strength, the lower body strength to box out and really just get involved in in some of those 50-50 balls that she was able to this year with a lot more consistency. And we're watching her do that on the world stage now during during the FIBA games. So just seeing Han's growth in that respect. And she's still only 22 years old. And she said at the end of her exit interviews that she wants to be back in New York next year both players said that um, Marine might have a little bit of a harder time because the French seasons always that, the, that league ends later and we've got prioritization to navigate and, but that's a long way away. I think a lot is going to happen in terms of that conversation because it's just, I don't know if the league is quite where they were when they were first making where, where they expected to be back mm-hmm. in 2020 when they were first making these um these conversations about prioritization and about, building basketball domestically, I don't know if necessarily they've hit the benchmark. So my fingers are crossed that maybe they will open up that conversation again and maybe push this off for a few years. Um, But if they can get those two back, they are going to be huge rotation pieces as we saw this season. 100%.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Sorry. And the last player I wanted to talk about was Natasha Howard, who in her first year dealt with a lot of injuries with the Liberty this year, she was a consistent presence on the court. She was the defensive anchor. She is just, we're talking about instincts with Marine On the other end of the ball, I don't know how many players I've seen that have better instincts than Natasha Howard does in terms of her ability to, to help on defense and then to recover. Her weak side help is phenomenal. And then her hands, because she's undersized at her position. Uh, But her hands are so good that she's able to defend players that are a lot larger than she is. And she's just been really, really needed for a team that does not have a lot of size inside, even adding Steph Dolson, even with Han proving to be an asset off the bench. And with Benajelani limited to just nine games this season, that made Tosh even more important for the Liberty.
1: Yeah, and I think there was when that stretch of games in June where the Liberty were doing really well, I could have argued that Natasha was probably the Libs most valuable player during that stretch. I think she was so important for them and you saw every Liberty win, she had like 20 points, you know? It was just it was that kind of contribution that I feel like it's so like I was so excited to see Lib uh, Lib, sorry, Sabrina and Taj have a healthy season together because we know what their connection is like as well. And I think, you know, I think it's uh, underestimated how important her veteran presence is as well. Like even having like Sammy, for example, like it, these are the voices that you need to hear in the locker room because you do have a young team. So I think having these like veteran pieces as well to kind of the puzzle together is super, super important, both on the court when you're watching them play and in the locker room as well.
0: Yeah, they're they're, both Tosh and Sammy are proven winners in this league and then bringing in Steph Dolson too. That's how you start to build out the culture when you've got that core, that young core coming together and developing to, to build out that winning culture. You need to bring in players that have won at that level. And that's and I think that that was something that we saw carry over from last season and why it was so important last year, even at the expense of a of a, a lottery pick for them to get that eight seed and that one and done in Phoenix, just to have the taste of playoff experience. Mm-hmm. I'm somebody that always, always advocates for making the playoffs and not missing them. Although I know that that's a big debate. I, um, it's okay. Especially... We're, we're on
1: the same side. We're on okay, the same okay, side good, here. Good.
0: So I don't have to give you my whole spiel. no. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I am, I've gotten into that with a lot of people because I, I think that uh, this league is so, so small that it's never in the best interest of the players that are on the team to yeah. not win a game. Um, but let's move on to fun stuff. Let's talk about team superlatives. Let's hand out some awards for the 2022 Liberty team because there was a lot of fun stuff. And I think this is just kind of a fun way to recap everything that we saw this season. So let's just start with the best win. What was the best win of the season for you?
1: I know there were so many good wins during the regular season, but to me, honestly, it was that game one win against Chicago in the playoffs because, A, first of all, a lot of people were saying the Libs were going to get swept, but I knew that wasn't going to happen. I knew they were going to take at least one. I didn't think they were going to take the first one on the road, but they did. Um, And I think it was really important for them as a franchise because they made the playoffs last year. And they made the playoffs this year. And I think to take it one step forward, you had to win at least a game this year in the playoffs. And, and they did that, and against the defending champs, um, no less. And so watching them grow throughout the season to get this, like, huge, massive win over Chicago. I think it was so important for for their mental toughness as well, right? Because you need that together as a team. And I really enjoyed watching it. I think it was a very stressful kind of fourth quarter, to be honest, when I was watching it. But I think that also speaks to how they were learning to execute down the stretch throughout the entire season because that was kind of their biggest issues, you know, in the last couple of seasons and even this year early, is that down the stretch, they needed to execute execute, execute, execute. I feel like we've heard that word like in Libs postgame pressers for like so long now. And so it was nice to kind of see it finally happen. Um, because that's really how you in the end, it doesn't matter how you won the game, it matters that you won the game. So I was really impressed with this win over Chicago in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, what a moment. What a what a game. <sighs> Going into that series. That was my that was my wish was that they would split one of those games so that we would get what we did, which was that game three in at the Barclays Center, the first playoff game for this franchise in Brooklyn. Because the the transition in ownership and the, the two-year sojourn from, uh, from MSG to Westchester before getting to the Barclays Center, it really lost the faith of a lot of fans. Uh, who really felt like they were disrespected by by this franchise, and it made a lot of sense that that arena in Westchester, or arena is not the word that I should use for it, <laughs> um, that two thousand seat convention center oh, uh, I, that I know does like the, it was doing vaccinations for a little while. They they do voting, uh, they do high school plays. I think like that was not where you should be playing a professional basketball game. Um, so it was really important, as as the size, as both Joe and Clara Wusai are putting so much of themselves and so many of their resources into rebuilding this this team and, and into earning back that goodwill. A lot of that also has to be met by success on the court and bringing that home. And the energy that was in that in the Barclays Center for that game three was huge. So just getting that game one was so important to getting that split on the road. And you said you didn't think it was going to happen in game one. I said, if it's going to happen, it has to be game one. Because this is a team that cannot get it together for day games. (laughs) (laughs) And sure enough, they uh, their game two performance. Can Uh, any team, uh, though,
1: really? Except unless you're like the aces.
0: (laughs) I mean... Every team that I saw <laughs> did a better job of it this season than New York. New York got blown out every time they had to play in the afternoon. Um, yeah, so well, New, New York had read.
1: all the uh, blowout records you know, yeah, this season. Yeah.
0: So let's talk about another record that they had, because I'll go to my best this season. Because <laughs> there were some good ones in the regular season to choose from, including that opening night win over the Sun. They beat the Sun on the road, too. But I've got to go to the record-breaking night in Vegas when the Liberty dumped in... A w record 116 points on the now champs the game was all gas but maybe and it was maybe you talked about execution down the stretch it was maybe the most complete 40 minute offensive stretch we saw from this team all year long because they were often plagued with those long long periods of five minute scoring droughts and this was the one night that i just don't remember it happening Um, individual performances Sabrina Ionescu put up a 31 13 and 10 triple double which was the first 30 point triple double in WNBA history she hit 10 of 13 shots seven triples Han Shu that night hit 11 of 12 shots I was very frustrated that she took one at the end and missed because she was (laughs) 11 for 11 heading into the last minute or so um, on her way to 24 points and eight rebounds The team splits were 58% from the field, 58% from three, 88% from the line. They had 35 assists against just eight turnovers. It was just an absolute offensive clinic. It felt like a video game. And the Aces were not slouching on the other side either. They put up north of 100 on their end too. But it was just an exciting, exciting game. And trust me, I have been on some really, really brutal West Coast Zooms uh at one o'clock in the morning or whatever so when you're going up against a team that's at the top of the standings it's hard to ha- to to hope for too much but the elation in that one uh, it makes up for <laughs> 24 hours later when they took a bus to phoenix and and lost to a shorthanded team after getting there at three o'clock in the morning or something like that um but yeah for me this game that game is just one that kind of showcased the potential, the offensive potential for this team.
1: Yeah. And I think that's a big thing. Like when their offense is clicking, man, oh man, do we see what a team they can be. And I want to just mention like for this game, you know, that meme that has like the podium and it shows like the champion has his like gold medal. And then at the very, very low, it's like the guy who's in like 30th place or something is like popping champagne, with the, with the and champagne celebrating. Yeah. So I was thinking the person in first place could be like the aces winning the championship this year. And then the lives are like that guy at the bottom with the champagne bottle. Like we beat the, t- we beat the champs like in the regular season with this record breaking win. I don't know. I just thought of that. I thought it was funny. put it up in
0: the rafters. I'll take it. <laughs> it was, it was a highlight. Uh, same thing. Yeah. You could throw the, uh, the upset over the, over the sky on there too. Yeah. Take them both. Exactly. <laughs> All right, let's move along to our next award, which is the best celebration. The the Liberty are a team that are known for their boisterous bench. Everybody will say that they've got the best bench mob in the league, but I think that there's a pretty good argument for any time DD Richards is around, you've probably you've got to throw yourself to the top of the pack. But there were some really good on court celebrations too. What what stood out to you this season? Um, from the Liberty that when they hit a big shot and uh, how they broke it down?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, my phone is full of like DD memes from her celebrations. But um, for me, the first thing I thought of was when Sabrina, so Sabrina's been hitting, was hitting crazy shots all season long. And I thought of in the post match presser where she was like, I don't know why I shoot that. Like, I don't know why I shot that, or I don't know why I shoot shots like that. And it made me think of when she shot that lo- from the logo almost. And she kind of just did a shrug after, like, yeah, I guess that went in. I mean, why not? I just think that's like a great way to kind of encapsulate her season is that she had this leap. And then on top of that, she was just making these crazy shots. And Sabrina's a very, like, it's it's hard to see emotion from her sometimes, right? Like, it takes a lot mm-hmm. to get that kind of celebration or whatever emotion it is and so just to see her shrug like i don't know kind of remind me of steph curry a little bit you know like yeah yeah that's what i do i guess
0: yeah she's got this this quiet confidence and i i I always love those those tiny little moments where you can where you can break her out of of she is so polished and so well coached to deal with the media yeah you're going to get a lot of coach speak out of her but every now and then you can (laughs) get something you can get a quote out of her you can get something fun and something that never erodes is is her own self-confidence so when when yeah that night i think i think that game is is the one that we're going to talk about in a little bit again with one of my favorite performances from her um but oof yeah that was a great that was a, a great little celebration uh for me i've got Uh, Let's go back to Connecticut. Uh, Not the first game, but on the road, Steph Dolson, who got lots of cheers, UConn alum Steph Dolson, who got lots of cheers, really was huge, huge, huge for the Liberty in an upset game in Connecticut uh, for a game that they really needed and looked very, very competitive all the way through. As she... There was about a minute left, and I think, if I remember correctly, that put them up by two scores. And Steph hits the shot, holds the follow-through, and as she's coming back up court, uh, Connecticut takes a timeout. The entire uh, bench of reserves runs out onto the court, and the first player that gets to her is Michaela Onyanwede, who gives her the biggest chest bump that I've seen because (laughs) it staggers Steph Dolson and i don't know if i've ever seen her take a step backwards outside of i don't know, no i don't even think i have i don't think <laughs> i've ever seen her get knocked backwards and just it was something that was really it just showed the closeness of this team and just the at so i want to phrase it this way when i'm at the the barclays center covering games it's an NBA arena, so they do not have the media sitting very close by. Uh, so we're all the way up. When I go up to Connecticut, they are super great in having us right next to the right next to the bench, so we can hear every every complaint, we can hear every call, we can hear the players just shouting out their teammates. So the scream that went up from that sideline when Steph hit that shot, I uh, I think I woke up with a headache the next day because of it. Oh my so god. So for me, so for me that was that was my favorite my favorite celebration of the season. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh let's move on to best friendship because I think that a lot of a lot of times the fans will see the the players that they like on court, but they aren't really seeing all the angles. They aren't seeing them in practice or or seeing all these pressers which unfortunately are not often aired. So they don't necessarily get to see the chemistry develop throughout the year. What was a pairing that either you knew coming into the season or didn't and were just really impressed to see develop throughout the year?
1: Yeah, so this is really hard because they're all so close on this team. So I like had to really think about my decision. But eventually, I went with uh, Marine Johannes and Steph Dolson. And yeah. the reason I went with them is because I think it was in the final postgame after they lost to Chicago. I think the two of them were there. And um, it was one of the Zooms at the end of the season. And they were, like, despite the loss – they were like giggling with each other and you know making fun of each other and stuff it was like oh that's the nice thing nicest thing she's ever said about me and things like that and it was just so funny to watch like it was like watching like I don't know like the Muppets on TV or something but a lot better than that um, I'm not trying to call them Muppets but you know it's just like that like it's, it's so nice to see like they're just like giggling as if they're like five years old with each other and I, I think that's just like amazing and I really like shows what it's like in that locker room right and it's so important to have teammates that you're that close with and that you actually really enjoy being around
0: yeah I um I agree with you that that friendship was maybe my least expected one that I saw develop but it was just really really sweet and Steph being on social media all the time you can you could see it throughout the season uh Maureen is is very quiet and reserved off the court which is very different from how assertive she is on the court and how um, expressive so with her game but the two of them just really struck a great balance with just how outgoing Steph is and just trying to, to trying to pull Maureen out of her comfort zone um, it reminds me of back to that that first Connecticut game I went to was up there was Maureen's first start so I got to see Dee Dee, um develop her her pre-game handshake with Marine, which was very very funny because you could just see how uncomfortable Marine was with it, <laughs> and it was just it was like a euro step thing, yeah. And you could just see how energetic all of the players were when she did the smallest euro step I've ever seen <laughs> because of how uncomfortable she was. Um, but all of these players working together to, to bring her out of to bring her out of her comfort zone a little bit and make her feel comfortable with the squad, uh, just like you said, just talks about how close they were. Uh, but I want to talk about, which might feel like the easy answer, but mm-hmm. Michaela and Didi. Mick and Didi, for a couple of years now, have been just inseparable. And it's very rare in the WNBA to have two rookies make a team, especially yeah. last year when when they were rookies last year and it was a team that made the postseason too and they were both players in the rotation so to have someone to share that experience with i think is already a bonding experience but the the level and the depth of the friendship that these two have i wanted to bring up a quote that from a question asked by jeff maglietti from the exit interviews this year because he asked her about he asked Dee Dee about her relationship and how that had developed with Mick. And, excuse me, she said that Mick is that friend who drops into your life and you didn't know you needed. I'm really happy it happened with being drafted to New York. Now I don't know what I would do without her. She's the person I can talk to and cry to, but now she's stuck with me. And the two of them, just seeing the, the looks back and forth that they gave to each other, it's just, they're just also constantly just comedy, but also very, very sweet and for for me personally, that they've been kind of my safety nets on this team after after a tough loss in the locker room or when I was first getting comfortable because 2020, this was my third year on the be- on the beat, but everything has has just like kind of gotten more real every year as we get away from the pandemic and, and get away from from zoom a little bit. Um, so I'm grateful to the two of them who have just been professional, but really sweet and humble and their friendship to each other is really aspirational for something that, you know, that a lot of people don't get to see.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can't even I can't agree even more than that. I just it's it's funny. I liked what you said about them being kind of like sweet and a safety net with the team, because my first question that I ever asked Anybody in WNBA and media was Tadidi, actually. And um, it was the very first question on like her very first Zoom. And I asked her what it was, and I'll, I'll never forget this because of how like incredible she was and how nice she was. Um, but I asked her how her time in New York was so far, like how she's getting acclimated. And she started telling me about hot dog stands on literally every corner and I remember PR in the back was like Didi lay off the hot dogs and then everybody just started laughing and like I got that laugh out of her and it was just it was a really an amazing experience and she always has that smile on her face she always is there like with great answers and even with Mick I mean I remember I asked her last season about her lashes like where she gets her lashes done because I just like love asking players like fun questions like that and she gave me a super great answer she was so she was so funny she like leaned close to the camera to like show off her lashes when I said that Uh, that. (laughs) yeah it was really like a really funny moment and uh, she also like interacted with me on social media about it too after so it's just stuff like that that kind of sticks with you like especially as us as media is you always remember like the really nice interactions like that and mick and dd are have been absolutely like phenomenal to work with these last two years
0: absolutely can't agree more um so we were just talking about a couple of quotes from pressers but they were not our best quotes of the year which is our next category so <laughs> there were there were some all timers I think this season and I really like the one that you picked too. So let's get right into it. What was your favorite quote from a presser this season?
1: Oh, I'm so excited because when this happened, I don't think I've ever laughed this hard in a post game presser, but it was during the the game where during halftime, there were these protesters that kind of went out on the court. I, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong. I think they were protesting, um, the abortion, uh, -hmm. situation and, you know, protesting for the rights and, in the postgame, we have Sabrina and uh, Beck Allen sitting with us. And somebody asked Sabrina about it. And she basically goes on this whole thing that she had no idea what was happening. And then she goes, I thought that was the halftime show, <laughs> if I'm being honest with you. And Beck just, like, puts her face in her hands. She's, like, I don't know if she's embarrassed or, like, what. But she cannot believe what Sab is saying. And, I like, I was laughing so hard because that was just hilarious to me and that like Sabrina was like laughing along with us she was like guys like I really thought that was the halftime show like I didn't know what was going on um and I thought that was such a hilarious moment um in that post game presser um I absolutely love that that's definitely my quote uh, of the season
0: and if I remember correctly, this happened at like the end of the third quarter or something like that. This was nowhere near halftime, but that was how locked in Sab was on the game. That <laughs> she did not know until somebody was literally on the court that yeah. that something was going on. Um uh, yeah, it was just such a such a funny moment. I've got a couple of I think that A lot of the action on the court is often what inspires the conversation off of it, as it should be covering this league. But I've got a couple of quotes surrounding the absurd passes from Marine Johannes, because I think the stuff that these players that are playing basketball professionally every day of their lives for the last couple of decades, when there's something that happens that they're like, wait a second that doesn't happen all the time. <laughs> and they have to take another moment, another beat to kind of understand what's going on. I think that's what's going to to draw out the, these these great quotes. Um, but I asked Steph Dolson about the behind the back pass from Maureen, which we're also going to talk about in a little bit, I'm sure. But I asked her, what are you thinking as you see Maureen drive and throw that pass to you behind the back? And she just says, I better make it. <laughs> it was that simple because she's like, this is going to be on a highlight reel. I didn't think she could get it to me, but once she did, I knew I had to make it. Um, and the other instance was a shot that did not go in, but there was a high-low pass to Marine cutting towards the basket, and she perfectly, she jumps for this alley-oop pass and perfectly volleyball taps it to the far corner to Crystal Dangerfield, who's wide open. And unfortunately misses the three, but I asked her about that pass after the game in the locker room and just what playing with playing alongside a guard like Marine is like. And Crystal said to me, honestly, you just have to be ready at all times. You have to, what I try to do is I just try to read her eyes and see where she's looking and try to anticipate (laughs) what she's doing. And from across the locker room, Steph Dolson shouts, you can't read her eyes because she's never looking, <laughs> and it just further shows. And, and then Crystal's like, "Yeah, that's right." And maybe that's why I missed the shot. Like it was just, <laughs> the, just the, kind of the the rapport around all of what happens, just trying to play basketball alongside Marine Johannes. Um, and th- those were just a couple of my highlights. But I realized now, as I'm looking at our sheet, that I did kind of jump the gun on you, and I'm sorry <laughs> about that. Because our next category is best assist so you can go into some detail on uh on that behind the back pass
1: well we could uh argue that you just gave me an assist so true yeah uh yeah no Like. <laughs> we're good on the transitions today um but yeah i honestly i didn't want to say like that quote from steph about i better make it like that was also probably one of my favorite quotes from the season and i'm so glad that you were the one who asked her that because i thought that was a fantastic answer um but yeah that marine behind the back to steph for three like i think i've watched it like 10 times now like even more probably it's just insane wizardry like she's a wizard on on the court and it's like you look at it and you're like, how does she even think about moving her hands like that while moving in the air and just like passes it perfectly behind her. I'm like, if I try to throw the basketball behind me, like that's going in a different direction. (laughs) Like that's not Mm -hmm. going behind me. Um, And then for Steph to catch that and actually make the three at the top of the key, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Um, And it was on every single highlight show. The morning after which was absolutely fantastic to see because you rarely see w highlights on like the morning uh highlight shows uh, when you watch the next morning so it was really nice to see that everywhere um like i mentioned before it's like it really shows like how artistic marine is when playing basketball
0: i would be terrified to receive that pass (laughs) i would freeze up there's no way i'm making that shot um so i see your marine pass and i will raise you another Let's go back to game one of the postseason against the Chicago Sky. The assist that spurs that 13-0 run that earns the Liberty the upset, their first postseason win since 2015. Out of a timeout, Liberty are down by six at that time, I believe. And Maureen just, she, she dribbles to the top of the key after getting a screen from Natasha Howard and takes an extra step to draw the help defense away and to freeze Candace Parker and then throws a no look two handed pass over her head, hitting a moving Tosh, like perfectly in stride as she goes to the basket. She puts in the layup Liberty go on a run. They win that game. And it's just, it's all, it looks like obviously we can, we can build the narrative out however we want to, but it looks like that kind of took the wind out of Chicago for the remainder of that game. Um, And it was just another thing that you just don't expect to see on a basketball court and the, the level of difficulty with a moving target at in a playoff game, like you cannot make a turnover in that spot down a couple of possessions with three minutes left um, to against one of the strongest defenses and some of the best perimeters in the W to have the idea to make that pass. And then the execution I don't even know how far down the list that would be for me in terms of what is possible <laughs> to do from this situation. Um, so just, yeah, another, like you said, the wizardry that that comes with Marines basketball playing, which is just for, for something, for an exercise like this, talk about the best moments of the year. Of course, her stamp is all over it.
1: Yeah, Chicago didn't know what to do after that. They're like, if she's I making passes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like if that's happening, then oh my god, like what are we gonna do? Um, but yeah, I I really like that. That's awesome. I think this is a, this is a marine section of the show, to be honest. Yeah.
0: All right, so let's keep it going then. Let's talk about last category, best basket of the season.
1: Yeah, and uh, surprise, surprise, mine has to do with a uh, marine Johannes. Uh, but honestly, it was any off balance three from her. And it reminds me a little bit of like the the postseason run that Chelsea Gray was going on where these off-bal- off-balance shots are just going in and mm-hmm. like no matter what. And it's just mind-boggling to watch because you're like, what is the physics behind this? How is the ball going in when you're off-balance and it's just going straight up? Oh, my God, just unbelievable. Um, and you knew they were going in. Like Marine when she's on the move – That is when her best basketball comes out. That's when her best shooting comes out. And it's just incredible to watch. So, yeah, honestly, I couldn't even label it down to one from her. Just any off-balance three that she's made throughout the season.
0: I would joke that their best offense was Marine fading left on a three (laughs) that, like, almost scraped off of the Jumbotron. Like, it was just these high-arcing threes. Um, After in in the – was it in the Atlanta game? It was – I think it was. Uh, near the end of the regular season where she did take that, that one where it was a one legged three from the top of the key with like Mm -hmm. 15 seconds on the shot clock. And I asked her about that after the game. And she said, honestly, looking back at it, it was a bad shot. I'm really (laughs) glad it went in because otherwise if it didn't, I would have been taken out of the game and all of my teammates would have been mad at me.
1: (laughs) No Marine shot is a bad shot.
0: (laughs) Right. The the worse it looks, the more likely it is to swish right through. Exactly. Um, And for my best basket of the season, it was just the impact of the moment. So last game of the regular season, a minute to go, the Liberty were facing the dream in a situation where the winner made the playoffs, the loser watched the playoffs on TV. uh, Benajah Laney navigates a screen from Steph Dolson at the top of the key that just gets the dream's defense all scrambled. And she uh, forces Cheyenne Parker, who's in the post to step up, because Wheeler is late in switching. Laney passes the ball to Marine, who quickly swings another pass to Tosh in the corner. Natasha Howard's wide open because Parker's now out of the play. Tosh swishes the corner three, puts the Liberty up by four, and then into the postseason. And with some more context, she'd gotten to the line three straight trips and split all three. So the Liberty were up by one at the time. But for her to have the confidence, her only three of the night, she she took two attempts, but that was her only make. It was just an absolutely huge bucket and just a big shot to take in that, in that position and one that, you know, that, that postseason pass doesn't happen, I don't think, without that shot going in.
1: Mm-hmm. So for
0: me, Tosh, just who was kind of their unsung hero so many times this season.
1: Yeah, 100%.
0: Um, and then last section, and we'll get through these pretty quick because I, I realize we're we're uh getting kind of long on time here, but I want to look ahead to the offseason because they are a team now that has been an eight seed and a seven seed, made the playoffs in back to back seasons, but they feel like that core is is getting there and that they they are going to potentially have room for a max contract player, but they also could retool with a couple of they've got a couple of pieces potentially coming over potentially coming back so what does this roster need to make them a contender
1: yeah I think you can probably go at this a couple of ways because there's a lot of different factors that it depends on Um, if you're good on the guard situation I know you're going to talk more about the guard I'm looking to the other side where I'm actually looking for more size and more depth in the uh, forward or the center positions because like you said before, like even though we have Steph, um, Taj, like and Apanaja, uh, of course, who is going to be coming back ho- hopefully healthy uh, next year, she's playing in FIBA right now. Um, I still think we need something extra there, and I think that. And I, I'm a Raptors fan, so I'm always going to bring it back to the Raptors somehow, whether it's like dealing with losses or anything like that. But if you look at the Raptors in the NBA, like their championship year. When they won with Mark Gasol and Sergi Baca, those were two big guys who could also get you a bucket. And I think that's the important part. Yes, you need size, but you also need a player that can get you a bucket um, as well. And so I think that's probably what they're going to be looking for in order to make them into a contender. Like I said, I think they're only a few pieces away because they have so much potential with the squad that they have. It's just a matter of where you're going to find the missing pieces of the puzzle.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think that we didn't get to see it for large stretches of the season because of the injuries. Yeah. But something that stood out to me from most teams this season is looking at the training camp rosters, because you were allowed to have in up to 18 players and the Liberty came in with just 15, which which already said a lot and about just the talent that they already had. And the cuts that they made last year, they were filling out with players that hadn't, you know, had played overseas or hadn't been pros for five years. This year, Sandy Brondello came in and she's like, I think we already have this team pretty much here. Um, we might need to make a couple moves because people are showing up late. But the the roster that she was looking to construct was largely in place already. Um, so it shows that this is not a team that necessarily has a lot of holes. And, and we did see towards the end of the season that that depth was there, that unfortunately some of the players I was most high on coming into the year, Jocelyn Willoughby being one of them, Dede Richards being another, uh, battled injuries for a majority of the season and didn't necessarily have the, the impact that I thought they might make, but they do have a pretty solid team. Uh, something that we saw, that we heard from these players in the exit interviews when asked about what this team needs, a big, like you said, and a guard, uh, a point guard. Yeah. So part of the question is Crystal Dangerfield, she is on a reserved contract for next year. Do they bring Crystal back? She doesn't know. She wants to be back. Uh, I think that she gave a great answer um, about just how difficult the season was at the end of the year which which you can find on twitter just look up uh crystal with the liberty exit interviews um but like you said before she was such a catalyst for them uh i do think that there are some free agents that are point guards that could potentially help them so someone who's high up on my list that brings both a veteran presence and also a little bit more maybe of a defensive mentality that we saw succeed this season is Erica Wheeler, who stepped into a veteran role this year with the dream. And it was really, and I I spoke to her last month about just what this season was like for her because she's been on so many veteran heavy teams before earlier in her career. So she's never been in that role before. And she said it was a transition. Um, but learning to play through her defensive identity was something that really helped her. So I could see, especially knowing that you're going to have Sab playing me off guard a lot, and that's what the preference is going to be for this coaching staff because they found that that's the best way to deploy her. Having someone who is defensively, defensively minded on the perimeter but could also slash and get to the rim can make it so that you can't, uh, take your that you, you can't just like throw extra focus at Sabrina on the perimeter. Obviously, Benisha being able to create her own shot out there is big too. Uh, but what's a dream free agent pickup that you would make?
1: Yeah, so honestly, the most obvious one has to be Stewie because everybody's already photoshopped her into a Libs jersey like a million times on my timeline. I've seen that picture. It's like ingrained in my mind. And well, obviously, she... sorry, what's she...
0: that? She's pretty good.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, just, just a little, you know, maybe considered one of the best basketball players of all time. You know, not, not no big deal. Uh, so she's definitely a dream free agent. Whether or not that happens, I'm not sure. Um, but honestly, I was looking at the free agent list, and if we could steal an Agumake sister, like, that would be pretty cool. And um, I'm not sure how I would work with in terms of contracts um, and salaries and things like that. But
0: Because they are a package deal.
1: Yeah, that's the thing where I'm like, are they going to be willing to be separated? Because I know they keep they keep saying, you know, where she is, I am, and vice, vice versa. But you know, with everything going on in LA now, I just I don't know. Maybe maybe we could steal one. Maybe maybe Chennai. I don't know. Maybe.
0: I mean, I will say that there is an ESPN studio in New York, so I <laughs> have to quit that job. We um, so yeah, have yeah, agendas, might- people. <laughs> Um and then let's let's leave on this. So who is one player that was already here that you think will become a more important part of the rotation in 2023?
1: Yeah, so this one was pretty easy for me. I think it's Didi. Honestly, like watching her go out with that hamstring was gut-wrenching I absolutely hated it um I think she's so important because she can get you a a bucket and her defensive presence is so important to this team I think she brings so much energy and she's just yeah I think she'll be a really important rotation uh piece once she's fully healthy and I'm really excited to see that
0: yeah we we never got to see the defensive lineup that I wanted like that I was most excited about coming into this season um, because it was Natasha Howard, Beck Allen, Dee, Dee Richards, Benajah Laney, and who was the fifth person I had out there? Another just of these incredibly switchable, um...
1: I would love to see, to see players that. Players. Oh you can my throw anyone god, out there yes. And we never
0: got to see that lineup together, because who is, who's scoring on that team? When <laughs> literally just... Put those five out there and say, "any you can pick anyone out there." And say good and luck. Yeah. Um, so I think Dee Dee, who at the beginning of the season was in training camp, they were they were building her up to be the team's backup point guard. Yeah. So with losing her, that contributes to when we talk about that one and seven start, and when we talk about Sab not being in positions where she's, where she's got the ball in her hands too much and is initiating offense too much. It's because the plan was to have DD out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were really large plans for her from this year's coaching staff. And it was just, and then the season is so unforgiving. It's so compressed yeah. especially this year with FIBA lingering in the back there. It's so hard to practice It's so hard to get practice time. It's so hard to work back in to a rotation once you've lost some time to get back up to speed. So I think that a healthy offseason for Didi, we really need a healthy offseason for Didi um, so that she can hit the ground running next year because, yeah, she is a difference maker. She is someone who's just going to make a play for you. Um, Last year, Jazz Jones was that player where she's just going to get out there and she's going to make an impact. I miss Jazz. Jazz. Yeah, I miss Jazz too. (laughs) One of my favorites. Um, So I think that Dee is a great pick. For me, there are just a lot of question marks looking at this offseason. And I talked about the depth and I think that the depth might provide some more questions. Marine coming back over, right? That's got to be, that's a priority, but it's something that might be out of the team's hands. Um, There's going to be a lot of, negotiations behind the scenes i'm sure with that a lot of what she wants of course is is true as well um we luckily like i mentioned before it doesn't seem like that's going to be an issue with han um her league in china ends much earlier so she was here on time for training camp this year niara sabli number five overall pick last season missed this year uh, with an injury so she's someone who might fill that role that you were discussing about a need for a big. Yeah. So else you've watched for the last week, Sika Kone. Uh, shout out to Sika Kone, who has been, who is really an intriguing prospect, third round draft pick. She just played with Molly at the FIBA games and was by far their best player. She is just such an energetic athletic rebounder and just would would bring a lot of, just a lot more size, but also some more of that—that that, those youthful hops that this team really needs. Um, Crystal Dangerfield, is she going to return? That's another question. But the person that I'm going to go with that I think is going to be more important next year than she was this year, largely due to circumstances, is Beck Allen. Um, Beck Allen is a Swiss Army knife for this team. She is, at the same time the strongest perimeter defender that they've got, but also somebody who can step out and reliably hit a shot. It was a difficult, difficult season for her with concussion issues. And she got hit in the chin. She got hit a couple of times. Um, But it's... Can
1: we like wrap her in bubble wrap, please, until the next season?
0: And she just got she just got banged up over i know
1: i know and it's like it's killing me i'm like watching all of this i was like oh god please if she's gonna go on the court just wrap her in bubble wrap please
0: i was so happy last off season when they signed beck allen to a two-year deal because i've been stressing every single year when she's a free agent that she's gonna go uh, because she is the prototypical wing player that every team always needs in this league which is a three and d uh someone who can get into the passing lanes can switch can block a shot but can also spot up for you and we're seeing right now for team australia for the opals she is their their go-to downhill player she's someone who can get to the rim she's someone who can get herself a jump shot so i think that beck is someone who can slide into any lineup that you put on the floor and the only thing that's preventing that is health um so just hoping for better help health for beck um again two-year contract means that there's hopefully been some discussion about how valencia will treat her because Mm -hmm. spain is another league that runs in but i'm sure that was a conversation that was had Before this two-year deal, Um, but yeah, that's that's my that's my big one. Um, I'm also just a a huge fan of her as a a person and a player. Um, So sorry, we try to be objective, but there's a little bias. (laughs) No, that's that's
1: okay. okay. You're talking to the leader of the back Allen Hive, so
0: okay, perfect. (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much for for joining me today, and for there are people in my life that are tired of hearing me talk about this team. (laughs) You are not one of them. Um, so thank you for jumping on. Can you, uh, plug your socials for us again? So people know where to find you.
1: Yeah. I will always be down to talk libs anytime, anywhere. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Krina M M make sure you're also following the parlay and that's spelled T H E P A R L E H, uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube, everywhere. Um, so that you can catch court time with me every Friday.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. And everybody make sure. If you are a night owl, like I am, that you are staying up late and watching these FIFA games, group play is done. And now we're about to get into the good stuff. So just tune into those in Australia. Most of those have been on ESPN plus, but I think we'll start to get them onto ESPN two, maybe once the games start to get a little bit um, closer to the, the finish of this tournament. Um, but that's all for us today. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll chat soon.